people getting out of prison, the road to stability can be a daunting one. When you have a criminal record, it can be especially challenging to find a job. Hi, I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. On this week's show, we're talking with the folks behind a Second You Foundation. They work to help the formerly incarcerated find employment in the fitness industry. Hector Guadalupe is the founder of the nonprofit, a Second You Foundation. He's also behind a for profit fitness venture called Unibody Fitness NYC. And Rohan Hales is director of operations of a Second You Foundation and a Unibody Fitness personal trainer. Hector, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for the invite, George. Rohan, thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. So, Hector, let me start with you. What's the mission of a Second You Foundation? Uh, The mission, that's like our passion, right? So the mission is um, to recruit, educate, and um, provide job placement for the best personal trainers and fitness instructors in health clubs throughout New York City that are formerly formerly incarcerated people, of course. I would imagine who happen to be formerly incarcerated, right? Yeah, for sure. That's a fact. So what path led you to creating this organization? Well, because I'm formerly incarcerated, I spent 10 years in federal prison. Uh, my entire team and core group at Unibody Fitness and the coaches of a Second Youth Foundation are all formerly incarcerated um, and successful trainers throughout New York City. But what led to the birth of these two organizations and companies is um, my story, me coming home after serving these 10 years in federal prison. And um, I would say not having any support, not having any guidance, not having um, just, I had no mentors, I had no, I just was provided one opportunity and that was like a job. And while employed at a health club at in the city on, on Union Square on 14th and 5th Avenue, I worked my butt off and found a way to become successful. Once becoming successful at what I do and, and creating a passion for the fitness industry and the wellness industry, we put together everything that made me successful, we, we patented that into a program. We packaged it into a program so people coming from the same situation and the same backgrounds and the same troubles can have a support system upon coming home. And a support system that you didn't have when you I got out of have, prison. That I did 100%. Rowan, what's your story? Well, how I met Hector, I pretty much, I did uh, seven years of federal prison. So upon being released, I met Mr. Guadalupe in the halfway house. And, you know, um, I got my personal, trans- my personal training certification when I was incarcerated. So I never had any intention on becoming a personal trainer. I didn't think I was going to be a personal trainer, but it was one of the things that they provided. So I was like, okay, I have time on my hands. Let me just, you know, take it. So upon being released, I was nervous, you know, didn't know what I was going to do, what path I was going to go. Didn't want to go around to the same areas where, you know, I um, used to hang out because I knew where that would lead. So um, we met and, you know, he was training, he was doing his thing in a, you know, health club. And he's like, listen, you know, you're certified, you got your certification. Why don't you go down to this, uh, this health club? You know, I'll put the word in for you and I'll get you an interview. And, you know, you can, you know, go and train. So I was like, okay, I'll try that out. So I ended up going, you know, uh, I got hired as a porter initially, then as a trainer. And the same, the same uh, cheat sheet that this guy, that, that he had was fantastic because, you know, a lot of the errors that I know I would have made, I had kind of like a template 
to start from and not make a lot of errors that many of the trainers today make. And we've refined it. We refined the process, you know, over the two year period. It's refined and um, it's it's really good. So you said you got your certification while you were in prison? Yes, yes. They uh some some places they have uh you know you can get your certification. So it was something that I took and it was uh paid off. Were you into fitness before you went to prison? No, I was not. I was not. The first day I actually went in, I'd started working out, and then um you know from there I always I always had a passion and an interest in like anatomy and that type of stuff. But um, working out wasn't a part of my regular, you know, everyday routine. Hector, what about you? Were you into fitness beforehand? I was I was into sports, somewhat into sports while in school, middle school, high school, played bowl every summer in the neighborhood. But uh, actually working out, no, not until uh, becoming incarcerated. I would imagine that while you're in prison, exercise can be a tremendous release. Oh, man, stress reliever. Um, it was like my therapist. You know what I mean? It was like my therapist, 100%. Same for you, Rowan? 100%. And I, and I think uh, as far as um, you know, our program goes, one of, one of the things I always say, we have like an a extremely big talent pool because – talent pool, so to speak, because a lot of, a lot of people you know, that come from prison – they're like in shape. So we, we tap into that where these guys are coming, they're coming out and they're, they're in, in really good shape. And then we ha- we just, you know, we polish them. We teach them. Uh, we teach them sales. We teach them, you know. etiquette, customer service, all the so- all and, and, a, and a ton of soft skills. But, um, yeah, that's, that's the secret sauce. So what have- is involved with the program? Take us from the moment you start to the moment you finish. Well, of course, uh, when it comes to our recruiting, um, we hold weekly employment workshops at the Brooklyn and Bronx re-entry, Federal Reentry Centers, which are typically called halfway houses, um, that we both came through and everybody else on our team. Um, so those are weekly uh, every Wednesday in the Bronx and every Wednesday in Brooklyn uh, Reentry Center. We hold employment workshops. That's one way of recruiting. Um, we also work hands-on with uh, ref- getting referrals from the Federal Bureau of Prisons Probation Office, both uh, divisions and and um, a lot of their offices re- refer a lot of their cases, caseloads to us, those that have the potential to be interviewed. Um, we also set up booths and attend all job fairs for formerly incarcerated men and women at Columbia Business School, NYU, and anywhere else that they're having uh um, employment job fairs for formerly incarcerated men and women. So, and plus, of course, word of mouth, right? Word of mouth helps a lot. We get a lot of referrals just from the inside, outside, people on the street that know somebody that have the potential that needs the help that are formerly incarcerated, they refer them to us. Once referred, you'll be called in for an interview. Our interview process, our screening process is a two-tier process where one day you'll be uh, interviewed by the entire team collectively and then um i will interview you one-on-one and then we'll get together as a team and figure out out of all the interviews who would be called back and who has the most potential to be uh enrolled in our uh upcoming program how many people are typically enrolled in your program anywhere between five and six people every class very small groups um, in 2018, we plan on scaling up to just 10 men or women per group 
um, for 2018. We've been doing it for the past two years with like five, anywhere between five and six people per class. So someone like Rowan comes in with certification already, I would imagine a lot of people don't. So you're helping them to get certified. Yeah. Um, there's actually at least half coming without a certification. And we just started our first fundraiser which was a week ago, last Thursday, where we also viewed our documentary and our websites and slides on the success rate. Um, so it was it was a huge event because since we're raising funding now, now we're able to help those that can't afford um, their book materials, clothing, their CPR certification, or their final exam. That's part of the process, helping them with getting certified as well. What's the documentary that you referenced? Oh, man, I'm going to send it to you. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it was, it's a doc on the you movement, right? Yeah. yeah. The whole you movement, which is a combination of both companies, Unibody Fitness NYC.com, as well as the Second You Foundation. So Unibody Fitness is your company LLC. as well? That's LLC. our for-profit, okay. and mm-hmm. the Second You Foundation your is non-profit. our non-profit. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you get a certification, and then you help to place people in gyms in New we York provide City. Provide job placement. So the only the only uh, qualifying fact is you just you have to be formally incarcerated. Violent crimes is a case by case basis. I was going to ask, does yeah, any it's offense case, it's limit case by you? case basis? Because some some violent crimes don't accurately reflect what the record states. So you know that's a case by case basis. But we do not accept sexual offenders, and that's that's pretty much it. Do you so, have participating gyms that you work with? Plenty. Yeah. Plenty, all the major health clubs throughout Manhattan. Can it be a hard sell, though, when you're telling them, hey, I'm going to place an ex-offender in your gym? Well, the reputation now, now it's getting easier because now it's like once they employ them and then they, if they see, then it's like, okay, you know, it kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's much easier than initially. And we also try to, like, our future social events and fundraisers are not only to just raise funds, to educate employers and the community on taking advantage of this workforce and how it's well, our program is like increasing public safety and we're ensuring that you don't have anything to worry about because look at our success rate already. If you haven't had, if you, if you haven't had a problem in the past two years, count on us. We already have proven the model first before even bringing this to the surface. That's it. How challenging is it to overcome the stigma of having served time in federal prison? Well, for for myself, I, I wouldn't really say it was too challenging for me because immediately upon being released, as I said, you know, uh, I was provided the opportunity for, you know, to get a job and train and do the things that I had to do. But I think for from a societal standpoint, it's, it's challenging because there's not really too much awareness around that issue. And, um, you know, the perception that a lot of people have of, you know, uh, formerly incarcerated, you know, men and women. You know, television or, and things of that nature. Just it, it, there's a big stigma around it, and it's just because it's the way it's presented. So the only way to alleviate that is to, you know, uh, just shift the paradigm and create more awareness. Because without awareness and without it being shifting, it's going to be really challenging to to, to change. Mm-hmm. Do you want to add to that, Hector? I always been the type that I believed in proving the model. I believe in putting in the work first where there's no argument. You know, you can't challenge me when I show you productive, positive results. And we've done that for years before even approaching anybody. So I think, um, and, and that's just my approach, but that is 
um, the foundation of a second U foundation and moving forward. So anybody that comes through our hand, when we go and uh, approach fitness managers and general managers of locations throughout Manhattan, being that we've been out here for X amount of years and they know our work, more and more is becoming not so much of a challenge, um, which is great. But the message we're trying to send out and who we're trying to reach now is people on the corporate level. The CEOs, the CFOs, the district managers of the Equinox, the New York Sports Club, the the New York Health and Racquet Club, 24-Hour Fitness, Crunch, all of our major corporate health clubs in New York City is who we're trying to get their higher-ups to recognize this movement and this talent pool. How long has the second year been in operation now? Se- September made our second year anniversary. Two years. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So give me some examples of success stories. Oh, man. You're going to have me run down the whole list to you. <laughs> I mean... I, I, well, I think myself, I use myself as like, you know, one of the major success stories because, again, like I had no idea what I was going to do. Wasn't really coming home to anything too much. And just having my certification, being provided the opportunity and the cheat sheet, which is probably the most important part, you know, and it just... It helped a lot. All right. So talk to me more about this cheat sheet. Yeah. All right, well, I'm not going to give away all the jewels, but. Um, <laughs> well, not even that. You can't even. It's not even about giving away because guess what? If you this program is designed to the point where if you haven't been successful as a personal trainer at a corporate health club in Manhattan, you can't teach it. How can you teach it? Mm-hmm. That's true. We pass out brochures all day. You can't teach it unless you are an example of it. Mm-hmm. So that's our secret sauce, you know, Um Etiquette, proper etiquette with your clients, um, you know, knowing about their weekend, reading the reading the journal, reading the times, having being able to because at the end of the day, people want results with personal training. They want results. But also, I, I strongly believe that it's about 80 percent psychology. But you have to be able to create results for your clients and you have to be personable. Your clients have to like you. So you need to know how to bridge, you know, being a really good trainer with having personality in order to retain your clients. so And creating just, that experience. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. it's, it's the unibody experience. That's what we call it. Yeah, so the website, the unibody experience. Do you have a marketing advantage because you served in federal prison? Because people who come out of prison, as you mentioned, are in very good shape. Yeah, but you know what? We're not into fads. We don't market that mm-hmm. at all, no. So we don't really have that. We have a result advantage because that's what we show you first before... Um, actually trying to figure out an opportunity or a lane for mm-hmm. what the services that we provide. That's one thing that we are proud of. We have never uh, created a gimmick out of this because we don't promote or, or um, not proud of going to prison. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're big on public safety and preventing people from even having to take our program. How much do you want the folks who graduate your program, if you will, to talk about their experiences, though, to help break well, the stigma? Well, we're creating a, a web series now after the documentary, which has been released and which is on our YouTube and websites. We're creating a uh, series on not all, but majority of our men. And it started, the first one started with myself. And um, also our coaches and, and, and just actually like focusing on the lives of these individuals and their successes and their travels, even while in this fitness industry. A majority men at this point? Yeah, it's, it's really hard to have most women find interest in being coming from that situation and wanting to be personal trainers. We are looking and open to any 
would love actually they, the the fitness industry needs more and more women to be a part of this movement, which is what we're definitely open to. All right, so let's get back to success stories. We talked about Rowan's success story. Give me another example. I got to give a shout out. There's this group of guys. These five guys we have on on Park Avenue on 59th and Park called Naturally Cut. It's a company. And these guys just are amazing. They're all formerly incarcerated. They all came through our program, and they just closed a deal with Harry Winston Jewelers. They work part-time at New York Sports Club. They do group classes. These guys are, like, killing it. Um, you have Alonzo Volker, um, which used to be a personal trainer and is now is killing it in real estate. Kenneth Atkins, he's having a blast, doing really well in real estate, who came through the program too and also was a, a personal trainer at New York Sports Club, but has now like started his own company in New Jersey. Like The list just goes on. Dion, um, uh, uh, that started, he's a promoter, like, you know, I mean, the list just goes on. I can just keep going. It's like, it's very, very overwhelming and we're super proud and happy of these guys. What would you say is the number one challenge that people face when they get out of prison, the people that you meet? What's the number one thing that they have to get over? Well, um, it depends whether we're talking about materially or psychologically, but uh, economic stability, first and foremost, because, you know, without economic stability, people go back into their old habits, their old patterns, and it's hard to function in a society where, you know, if, if income is the issue. But aside from that, if, if not, if, if we're talking about more of a psychological process, then people, I don't know, we're just all creatures of habit, and people just have the fear of, you know, going back to their old ways. So it's just, it's all about mindset. And that's another that's another part of our process is mindset, because we try to train, so to speak, individuals to start thinking differently and looking at things differently, being more positive and, um, you know, the language that they use. It might, you know, we go into we go into that much detail, because if you can't change your mindset about certain things, then, you know, the recidivism rate will be increased. And one of the reasons why our recidivism rate is, is zero is because. These guys are provided with the opportunity now and they have economic stability and there's really no need or no no reason to, you know, commit any further crimes. Do you have to disassociate with folks, though, in the neighborhood who maybe you had dealings with in the past, people who don't get your transformation, if you will? Eventually you have to. And it's hard because, I mean, I've, I've, I've totally disassociated at this point, but People, when you reach certain levels, you start to realize like you, you just you, you have to cut it off. The more you the more you advance, you, you know, you're going to have to get rid of old relationships and build new productive relationships. And that's that's just the way it is. You won't necessarily, you know, go back into your old habits and ways. And because, again, if you're working, you, you got, you know, you're financially you're good to go. Great. But um, I think eventually you have to totally disassociate from the negativity. Yeah. Hector, how tight is the community that you're creating of these guys who are going through the program? Airtight. <laughs> Airtight. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Airtight. Yo, you come to, you'll be invited to our next social event and fundraiser, man. You're going to see 200 people there. All supporting each other, huh? Yeah, it's, it's a family, man. It's a family, Flatiron District. I was going to say, I guess it could become competitive if you're trying to go out there and make a name for yourself, for yourself, but is it, or are you still trying to work, you know, to help each other? It's always this. about helping each other. Yeah. You, there's strength in numbers, man. It's all about building a better you. That's it. That's the motto. What's build a better you. you. I was going to ask, does second you have a motto? Is yeah, that yeah. it? Build a better and you. And the second one is, what's at your, your core? core? What's at your core? Now I like sh- that. Not only how strong is your plague, but <laughs> yeah. who at you at your center? <laughs> you could take that two ways. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. 
How long is the program? Six weeks straight. We have a 90-day program that we haven't even implemented yet because the six-week training program has produced, like, amazing results. So one day we'll uh, incorporate our 90-day program where half of it will be like an internship and the other half will be all studies. What's your favorite exercise? Do you have one, Hector? Favorite routine? My favorite routine is working on people. (laughs) What's yours, Ro? Deadlifts. Deadlifts, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Although I haven't deadlifted in a while because, you know, back been acting a little funny. But um, (laughs) uh, best exercise, hands down. I'm I'm old school, man. I like calisthenics, man. Is that right? I like 20 sets of pull-ups, dips, and push-ups, which we call all around the world. And I guess oftentimes you don't even need any actually weights, right? You can all body weight. It's all good, huh? I used to say I'm going to the bar to get drunk. That bar. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the pull-up bar. You're going to go to the bar, bar. And get drunk. Yeah. What would you say serving time in federal prison, Hector, has taught you the most? Discipline, um, loyalty, and integrity. And that translates into personal fitness, doesn't it? That's why they call it personal before training. Mm. There you go. Rowan, what about you? Told me about myself. I think it was like the real first opportunity to really get to know myself solitude, knowing what makes me tick, knowing like who I really am. It's an experience that I would never take back because without that, you know, it might sound cliche, but I would not be who I am today. Would not be who I am today. It told me a lot of things. I thought before before my time was up, I thought, you know, I'm ready. I still learned a whole lot of other things before then. So um, just taught me about myself. Discipline, definitely discipline, 100%. How similar were the stories of the guys that you met in prison to your story? I feel like everybody's story is different. Everybody has an experience, even you. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a story, whether in there or not. So I think it's just a, hum- a humanity thing. It's just you, you, we're people. We're all one people. We all have a story. Even privileged people have a story. So, yeah. You grew up in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, right? Yes, sir. Very proud of that neighborhood. Yeah. Love that neighborhood. Yeah, that was the beginning. That's where our uh, documentary starts off at, too. And what was that like for you, your upbringing there? It was the best, man. Yeah. It was the best. It was real neighborhood. It was real uh, New York City at that time. I'm born in 78, so I grew up at the best times of the city, all boroughs, you know. Um, So it was very, like, community orientated in in my neighborhood specifically everybody was like poor immigrants and and it was just the best being able to come outside and on one block you know in in i lived in a huge building with like 22 floors black latinos jews polish this that all in one block, man. It was amazing. People knocking on your door during holiday times, offering you their food. Everybody's sharing each other's uh, culture, so to speak, you know. So that's why I'm beyond, like, passionate and big on what we do because that's what I come from. That's why, I, and nowadays we tell people that you is culture. We are culture. Is there something that you would tell your younger self, though, the kid who was growing up in that neighborhood that would have prevented you from getting into trouble that led you to prison? I got a, uh, that's a great question. Um, you went to jail for a nonviolent offense, though. We should point that out, right? Yeah, so that's what our series is on because the majority of us in 87, over 80% of the uh, prison industry is nonviolent offenders. 
Um, and that's the same thing that goes for Rikers Island, over 80% of nonviolent offenders. And not in, uh, actually on Rikers Island, over 80% isn't even convicted yet. <laughs> They're just sitting in there. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a, I, I, I fall into two categories. I was not only a nonviolent offender, but I was also a first-time offender. And they said, if you don't cop out now, you're going to do 20 years. Hmm. And, like, that's that's weird for your first time. Like, you're not expected to hear that your first time. And you're like, yo, I didn't even hurt anyone, right? Um, so they made me do a mandatory minimum of 10 years. How old were you? Um, I turned 23 years old in the county. So I was indicted at 22. But if I had to be told something back then, I can't really say because... It was just a different time. I had a different mindset. And I really didn't have nobody to talk to. I think that's what's more important for people, men and women, and young adults coming up in in impoverished or challenged neighborhoods and communities. They have to have someone to talk to. I think that's the most important. Um, Moran, you're nodding your head here. I agree. I think that the key factor is mentorship. That's that's where I feel like, you know... I, I kind of strayed because people need mentors. Everyone needs someone that can kind of guide them, show them the way, you know, whether even with your career, with what you do, I'm sure it was someone that, you know, you uh, admired and it was like they kind of showed you the rope. So I feel like a lot of, uh, especially our, our younger population, like adolescents, they don't have those role models and people to kind of like guide them in the, in the right direction. And it's like, listen, you don't want to do this, do that. Don't do this, do that. So when you have more of that, then society yeah. be a better place. Yeah, I think this nowadays, this, like we're in a better times. Like there's more and more positive role models in these urban communities that like like us that look like these men and women. Yeah, I was going to say, does the second you work in that vein as well, you're hoping to reach out to kids and communities who might be at risk to help them? Well, last year we... Um, volunteered at cases cases is an alternative sentencing program with the supreme court uh, on a state level so kids from 15 to like 24 they can enroll well they they don't enroll but certain ones depending on a case-by-case study that would be enrolled in cases which is an alternative program to sentencing if they complete the program they go to schooling they do their programs they won't have to go to jail so we volunteered with these kids for like the entire last year. Now we we put together a health and wellness uh, curriculum to teach there every week up in Harlem. We started on 125th Street, um, and it was a lot. It was great. It was good. The kids loved it. The staff loved it. We had a great experience. And moving forward, we plan on working with a lot of public schools in the near future, starting in 2018. All right. Anything that either of you would want to add that we didn't talk about? Well. We're definitely looking for more uh, support, more help volunteer-wise, um, looking for those that can donate, whether it's just a conference room, some office space, and, and any context that can help us build awareness within the corporate, the higher-ups, corporate structure of these health clubs because that's the main focus, setting up these meetings, getting people to understand not to fear uh, this talent pool because, um, like I said, over eighty percent of nonviolent offenders and very low risk, but they want to work if you if you uh, actually give these people an opportunity. So just helping us create more awareness, um, checking out the website 
a second youth foundation.com checking out unibody fitness nyc.com um of course we have our social media which is the same in the youtube but um yeah just just trying to build awareness and find as many people that can help and um help us structure this because the vision is to move a, a second youth foundation to every major city throughout this country that has um, a strong market for for the fitness industry. I was going to ask you, are you only operating in yeah, New York City yeah, right now? You are? Yeah, it's only two companies in the country that do what we do, and it's uh, us here in New York City and um, a company in Boston. So what we plan on doing is uh, uh, expanding to L.A., Chicago, Miami, starting with those cities, Boston, of course, eventually, where they have a strong fitness pool, and fitness industry, I'm sorry, and um, a high recidivism rate. Give us a piece of motivation. Someone listening right now who's a couch potato sitting out there. Oh, man. <laughs> you you go first, bro. All, all I'm going to say is from the personal training perspective, and I'm going to quote Jim, Jim Rohn on this, you cannot pay someone to do your push-ups. Ah. <laughs> you can't pay someone to do your push-ups. I can't top that. Get motivated. I can't top that. Do what you need to do. You can't pay someone to do your push-ups at the end of the day. Build a better you. Down to. Yeah. Good good piece build of advice, bro. You can't pay for someone to do your push-ups you and build a better you. Build a better you. Hector, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having us, George. Rohan, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Hector Guadalupe and Rohan Hales are with the Second You Foundation. Their website is com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. My thanks to producer Caroline Rotante, and thank you for listening. It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York. Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.